Hi guys, I am editing this episode right now, and this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, um, but I just wanted to come in here and address the shooting that happened at UVA recently. Um, trigger warning, I will be talking about the shooting, so if that is something that is upsetting, then I would highly encourage skipping ahead a few minutes. Um, and it is just devastating what happened at UVA. Um, and I am sending love to everyone at UVA right now, especially everyone who knew Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry. Um, I can't imagine what their loved ones are going through right now. Um, and it is incredibly tragic and traumatic for everyone involved. I'm not super educated on the current gun control policy and reform, so I won't speak too much on that, but I do know that there it needs to be harder to access guns in America because too many innocent lives are taken due to gun violence and I just think it's ridiculous how easy it is to access a gun in the US and something needs to change. I don't know how many more people need to be murdered before there is a change, but if you are interested in getting involved in gun policy and reform, I would highly encourage checking out everytown.org. Um, I'll be linking that in the show notes. They are a um, organization that advocates for gun safety. And I will also be linking the GoFundMes for Devin Chandler, Laval Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry's families um, and mental health resources for UVA students. And if you are struggling right now, um, struggling with grief, struggling with fear, um, anything, I highly, highly encourage you to reach out to someone. Um, I'm happy to be listening. I'm happy to be a listening ear, um, but I will be linking professional resources um, in the show notes and on the BYOB Instagram. So yeah, I just wanted to address that before the episode began because it was recorded before the shooting happened, um, and I'm just sending love to my UVA family. Hi guys, welcome back to BYOB. Today I am joined by a very special guest, and that is Taylor Hawthorne. Taylor is a sophomore double majoring in PR and journalism with a minor in entrepreneurship at Boston University, and she also runs a blog called Thorns and Roses, which focuses on mental health. Um, and Taylor, do you just want to tell the audience a little bit about what that blog is and the, maybe like the origin of why you started it and what your goal with the blog is? Yeah, of course. So my blog, Thorns and Roses, I started in the spring of last year during my first year of college because I'd known for a little while that I wanted to start some sort of blog and just kind of talk to people maybe in that demographic of who would read blogs, which actually expands more than I thought it would. It can expand from people in high school, as young as middle school even, to people that are older since blogs have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to do something along those lines and I've always loved writing and I've always found writing to be an artful expression for people to express what they stand for and for me that was always mental health and mental health awareness so I started my blog with not a whole lot of direction of exactly what I wanted it to be but I knew I wanted to intersect the two ideas of sharing my own stories of mental health along with spreading awareness and kind of a message of advocacy to others so that's how I created Thorns and Roses where I 
I shared my own story and shared a lot of the ways in which I personally have coped with mental health and used that as kind of a lens to what I learned and how that ties into the idea of mental health in society today Mm -hmm. and what's been conveyed through things such as research and things in like common media or pop culture, things we see with mental health there, how the two intersect and That's kind of how I thought of the name Thorns and Roses as well as being a playoff of my last name a little bit. The Thorns is spelled with an E in it as my name, my last name is Hawthorne and Thorns and Roses being the message of my own personal story, the good and the bad and sharing the good and the bad lens of mental health, sharing what's good in society today, how we're working together to bring awareness to this amazing cause. And at the same time, what can still be done and what's going on today that's bad for mental health? What's the stigma? surrounding it. So that's kind of how it came to be. And it is what I hope is like that intersection between, as I was saying before, my personal journey, but also the lessons others have learned along the way and shared through other platforms. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for coming on. I don't think I said that at the (laughs) beginning, but so happy to have you on since um, after reading some of your blog posts, first of all, you're a wonderful writer. Um, and so if you pursue a career in journalism, I know that you'll definitely go far in that because you are just so eloquent and I will link the blog in the um, episode show notes and also on the social media page, follow at bring your own baggage on Instagram. Um, and I highly recommend, um, anyone listening to go check out the blog, to read the blog posts there. And one of the posts that stood out to me was the one where you talked about work and kind of what we're working for. And in it, you mentioned this idea of hustle culture. And I think hustle culture is something that definitely impacts a lot of people because I feel like we fall into the idea that we need to be constantly working and that if you have time off, then you're not doing enough. There's always something else that you can be doing. And I feel like that's something that has kind of been on the rise since, you know, now like with social media, obviously you can keep track. Like with social media, I remember when I was applying to college, everyone, when they would get into a college, they would post it on their Instagram story. So you'd see where people were getting into college. And then when I, like last year, when I was graduating, people were posting about what they were doing post-grad and stuff. And then with platforms like LinkedIn, you can see, you know, every single job that someone has had before. And this is kind of similar to what I talked about in my last episode with Sadie, but the idea of comparison and comparison obviously really fuels hustle culture because for me personally, whenever I have downtime now, I feel like I can be doing something else. I could be learning a new skill. I can be taking a free course to add to my CV, anything like that. And so, you know, with hustle culture, we feel like there is no downtime And another thing that I wanted to talk about today in this episode was the idea of burnout because with hustle culture comes burnout after that because humans aren't meant to work 24 seven, you know? And so it's inevitable that there's going to be a time in your life where you kind of feel burnt out. I can talk about hustle culture from the perspective of, you know, a post-grad and honestly, in regards to college too, because I, I just graduated a few months ago. So I honestly don't even feel like I'm a postgrad yet. I still kind of feel like I'm in college. But from your perspective, how do you think that hustle culture impacts college students? 
with hustle culture, it can be such a weighted thing because as you're saying, you're giving your example of how hustle culture impacts you. That's why I wanted to write about it is because I feel like it impacts almost every single group we can think of, even really, really young. And it's grown to that through things like the media where people at a really, really young age are getting impacted by this hustle culture. And for me, honestly, I've been sucked into this culture for a very long time and it's been created kind of by a bunch of different factors. And those factors for me were kind of natural because from the start, I always found myself to be an extremely internally competitive person Mm -hmm. where I'd constantly be competing with myself. And it wasn't healthy. Even it started when I was as young as starting sports. I mean, playing sports as a kid, it was all for fun. Nobody kept score or anything, but I always felt very competitive with myself. I grew up playing softball. I played for 10 years up to right before college. And I felt like that sport in particular too, when you're comparing things such as your batting average, how many plays you had. When I was a pitcher, it was how did my games go? How many strikeouts did I have? That sort of thing. I felt like that was something where I had the opportunity to be extremely internally competitive. And that just started to stem into other aspects of my life. And I know getting to college, I mean, it's not too different from what you pointed out. I feel like things, this is when things such as LinkedIn are really starting to rise with this age group is in college because you're starting to try to put yourself out there and trying to get internships, show what you've already done. And for me, I jumped at this opportunity because it was another opportunity for me to be extremely internally competitive with myself Mm -hmm. and see, okay, how much can I build my resume? How much can I make myself look appealing to future employers, that sort of thing, and network with people that I'd be interested in working with. So especially over the summer, I really started to grow that profile. But I knew I wasn't the only one because, I mean, I'm involved with student organization groups on campus, especially with like newspapers, the Daily Free Press, we have a bunch of those. And then we also have a TV station, news station, maybe just because I'm in the world of communications here, a lot of that is networking. Mm. So I started to see that a lot in my environment. But especially in college, not only is it the rise of networking starting, but you also feel a whole lot of pressure because it's kind of the last point in a lot of people's life where they feel like they have a whole lot of guidance, if that makes sense. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, you know, going into post-grad, it feels surreal at first, I'm sure. And that's kind of the way it felt for us going into college. It felt kind of surreal, but in a different way, because for me, it was thinking that once I graduate, I mean, there's no established next step. And not saying that everybody really goes to college and gets their bachelor's, but where I grew up, at least, it was a very well-established, like, this is what happens next. It was very common in my community that you graduate high school, you go on to get your bachelor's degree. But after that, everybody goes these separate ways, and it can be really intimidating because this is the four years where you figure out what that way is, where you figure Mm -hmm. out what your path is. And it's really scary to think that, that could all change in minutes. I mean, we have things like our majors, the jobs we do, the internships, and we think, okay, that has to guide me to what I do straight out of college. And that leads then into hustle culture of, I need to do as much as possible because I need to set myself up as much as I possibly can for this journey after college, where it's so incredibly unknown that Mm -hmm. we're not really sure what the right thing exactly is to be doing during these four years. I mean, we can take all the classes we can, 
can, we can branch out as much as possible, but it's just scary to me at least to think right now I'm studying PR and journalism. I came into school a pre-law major. I came into school to study psychology. This is totally not what I was doing from the start. And before it was always established for me, I go to I go to college and then I'll go to law school. And now I'm thinking, well, I want to get my bachelor's, but with the field I'm in, I don't exactly want to go straight to a graduate degree right off the bat. I want to get some field experience first, work a little bit, and then go maybe go back to school. And that'll kind of determine where I go back to school, like whether I get a master's, whether I get an MBA, whatever it may be, it's kind of determined by that work path. But for me, I'm using these four years to see what do I want to do straight out of school and what do I want that to be? And that can be scary. And for many other students, we're just burning ourselves out a lot of the time to see what is it that we want to do and just questioning the unknown. And it's hard a lot of the time, just not knowing what happens next, not knowing that you could go to sleep, wake up and determine that you want to be doing something totally different. And Mm -hmm. that can happen. It's happened to many people, Mm -hmm. but that I think has led to a lot of the hustle culture in the college atmosphere, especially. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that you're touching on and that you mentioned in the in your blog post I forget which blog post this is from but this is just a quote from you <laughs> so you said that like as our numbers get higher we continually set these impossible standards and then beat ourselves up when we don't reach them and I think that that quote is just a great way to kind of differentiate hustle culture from productivity, because I think a lot of people associate hustling with being productive, but with hustle culture, it's not, there really is no end goal. I feel like there's no actual success because once you reach the goal that you wanted, then it just, it becomes not enough. As soon as you reach it, it's not enough. There's something else that you want to be doing. And I totally relate to what you're saying about just not really knowing what to do after undergrad and feeling like you have that guidance at first in undergrad. And then, you know, when I was, when I was in my fourth year, I was like, okay, I will not, I'll like stop stressing once I get a job. And then now that I have a job, there's just something else. I'm like, okay, well I have a job, but now I need to focus on getting into grad school. And so now I'm stressing myself out because I'm like, when I have free time, I should be doing research at other labs and I should be doing my own individual projects or taking courses on data analysis and coding and stuff like that to get into grad school. And then this is something that I talked about with Christine a few episodes ago when we were talking about getting into clinical psych PhD programs. Once you're in grad school, there's still no end. Once you're in grad school, then you still need to be, you know, presenting more posters. You need to be buffing up your resume to get a good internship position. And then after internship, this post, it never ends. And I think that's why hustle culture is so toxic because we're not pushing ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. We're just pushing ourselves to these impossible standards. And then what you're saying, once we reach these, you know, quote unquote benchmarks or successes, it's not like we feel good about ourselves because then that becomes not enough and there's always something more. And I feel like hustle culture has really made me more insecure instead of confident about what I accomplished because I don't focus on what I accomplished. And instead I focus on, you know, the next step. And it's something that you talked about in another 
blog post. I'm really just quoting you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you're famous. You're a famous author. So I, you have like a lot of really good quotes at the blog, which is why I encourage people to read it. You're talking about happiness and you were talking about how nothing is ever good enough. This is another quote. Everything that made me happy had to do with what I was looking forward to, nothing in the present moment. And that really stuck with me because I kind of feel like I'm just wishing my life away right now. Because when I was in college, I was like, I'll be happy once I get a job. And then now that I'm in a job, I'm like, I'll be happy once I get into grad school. And I kind of right now, I'm just like, these two years are just transition years, you know, but then when you think about it, these this is two years of my life. And I can't just wish these two years away. And when we f- keep focusing on the next step, we aren't taking time, like what you said, to like be present in the moment and just enjoy life. And life goes by so quickly. Like I cannot believe that I graduated from college, like that flew by. And so with that, what is like the effect of hustling on your mental health? I definitely think that hustle culture with mental health, there is a big intersection between the two, at least for me personally, reflecting on my own mental health journey. It was a lot of what I went back to when I was trying to find the root causes of things. I'd be like, well, I was pushing myself too hard or I, as you said, I never had really a goal in mind because Mm -hmm. each goal I set, I'd put something else out there and it just became this continuous circle And when you're in that circle, it can be extremely lonely in a way because you feel like you're the only one who's cycling through. And sometimes it feels like you're stuck and everybody else is moving on. Everybody Mm -hmm. else seems to be reaching higher goals. And even Mm -hmm. though you're physically reaching these higher goals, mentally, you're setting these new ones for yourself that just have you in a constant cycle. And for me, when I was in therapy and just learning more about my own mental health, what I would learn about these things like depression, anxiety, many other mental illnesses, is they all feel like you're stuck. And for me personally, because of this hustle culture, I would start to feel stuck in multiple aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. And I would feel stuck academically. I would feel like I didn't get a good enough grade on this. I'd set a goal for a higher grade. Maybe I'd get the higher grade, but it wouldn't feel like enough because I'd be like, all right, fine. This class is okay. I need to be doing well in this class too. And then when I was caught up in my work, I'd be like, well, I need to be doing more. I need to get my resume out to employers. And I'd go into these next steps that were just so, um, so far down in the future that it really didn't matter. But then I'd feel stuck with that. I'd move on to the next goal and I'd feel stuck physically. In high school, again, a lot of the time it was sports. I'd feel stuck with that. I'd feel like everybody was advancing. I felt like I couldn't improve. And then getting to school, it felt like the opposite. I didn't have sports. So I was grasping at these things to feel um, almost stable or give me some form of improvement, some physical way to see that I was improving and that there were things to continue on with. And for me, that became hard, especially freshman year of college, because again, I didn't have those sports and it wasn't the same environment as high school where everybody, again, is working towards a common goal because I was meeting so many different people in college that were here for many different reasons, whether it be studying different things or just had a different avenue of life in general. And I felt like this hustle culture 
fed into my mental health because I started to feel like I was deteriorating on a mental level because I would feel, as I said before, just feel kind of stuck and feel like there was no way to get out of it. And the cycle was never ending. And then that led me to thinking in the future, am I going to be in this cycle for my entire life? Will Mm -hmm. I ever be happy if I don't have something where it will give me happiness? It's no end goal because then that started to get me thinking thinking with myself, what is the end goal here? And I think in my head, well, the end goal is to have this super successful job, all these things going on the side, maybe I've published a book, this sort of thing, maybe growing my own family. And I was thinking, but that's just so far down in the future. Am I going to spend, what is it like 30 to 40 years not being happy until I reach this actual goal? And if I spent it like that, there's no way I'd make it those 30, 40 years down the road because I won't be able to achieve that if I didn't appreciate everything along the way and didn't grow from the mistakes I was making. Mm -hmm. Because with these goals, I wasn't really learning from my mistakes. I was just trying to reach the next thing. And there wasn't much reflection on the past, which I feel like is a big aspect of mental health. You need to have that reflection in order to improve. You need to see at your worst moments, why were they my worst moments? And what can I personally do differently to make it better in the future? And for me, I wasn't thinking, what can I personally do better to make it better in the future? I was thinking, I just want to do better in the future. I will sacrifice everything, no matter what, to be able to reach that goal. And when I reached that goal, sure, I reached that goal, but at what cost then? And a lot of the time, my cost was my mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that you mentioned is how, you know, struggling with anxiety can kind of lead to like these thought spirals. One thing that I've realized with my anxiety is that I fall into a lot of all or nothing patterns of thinking. And so if it's so easy for me to just spiral to completely unrealistic thoughts just from like one small thing that I'm currently stressed about. So what you were saying, like, say you have a goal of wanting to get a good grade in a class, and then say you don't get that good grade, then I feel like when you struggle with anxiety, you're like, okay, I didn't get a good grade. So then I'm not going to get a job. And then if I don't have a job, then I'm not going to achieve this. I'm not going to ever be happy because I won't have success. I won't have money. I won't like attract a spouse. I won't be able to start a family, like if that's what you want to do. And then it just like spirals. I think that something that I have thought for my entire life is, oh, when I reach this point in my life, I'll be happy. And there's never going to be a point in your life where you're going to be completely happy, you know? for the rest of your life, because life always has struggles. You know, there's always something that's going to come up and there's things that you can't control. That's just how life is. We need to like reframe the idea of like being happy and the idea that if you work hard enough, then you can achieve being happy. You know, what messages about hustling from the media and people around you do you have you received and how do you think that's affect your view of success oh that's that's a big one because I feel like the media today especially just plays such a role in hustle culture because there are so many different messages being conveyed and so many different people at different points of their life that we're comparing ourselves to mm-hmm. so I feel like that honestly was the biggest part of hustle culture was in a way people being themselves on social media mm-hmm. and 
really showing certain aspects of their life that were easy to be compared to. Mm -hmm. And we have all these influencers today that seem to have these glamorized jobs that are influencing and what we think is taking a picture of something, putting it on social media and getting money for it. Mm -hmm. And sure, that is a part of the job and everything, but especially studying PR, there's more to it than that. But we see that and we think, oh gosh, how do, how do I get into that? How do I become that type of person where my job, my life is that easy? Mm -hmm. And making that much money. And that can be very easy to see over the media. At least for me, I was thinking these people are making a ton of money off of doing like half the work I'm doing as a student and they didn't get a degree. How is that fair? How does any of that line up? Mm -hmm. And that's the question a lot of the time with social media is how is that fair? How are they living that life? What can I do to get it? And sometimes it's just luck of the draw, meaning kind of who you are, what your goals are, and also what situation you're in, because people will just run into these situations a lot of the time. All these things on social media, all these people we see, we never know their full situation, but we also sometimes envy them for things that maybe we wouldn't want to exactly go through, and we don't understand that. So a lot of social media is not knowing a different side to the story and not being able to see that really all of us have been impacted by different things. We just don't always know what it is. And sometimes we're stuck with this tunnel vision of just seeing our own path and thinking, well, how can I get on that person's path without much thought to their own tunnel vision and thinking what what exactly was their path? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I kind of was impacted by hustle culture in the lens of the media was, I want to be like them. How do I get like that? And that leads to the cycle of, again, as you were saying before, how do I achieve that happiness? And that's why, in a way, one of the blog posts I wrote was basically why I hate happily ever afters. And that's Mm -hmm. leading into kind of when I was younger, everybody reads those stories where it ends just with happily ever after. And so for us, we're stuck with that in our minds that Mm -hmm. in that phrase, like once we find our Prince Charming, it's happily ever after. Or now for a lot of people, it's once I get that job, it's happily ever after everything things good. And I feel like we're stuck in that mindset a lot of the time because that's what's been placed upon us. And that in a lot of ways in the media is what's placed upon us because we think some of these people out there have reached their happily ever after and have gotten there. And we're trying so hard to get there. But as you said, happiness is fleeting. And Mm -hmm. we need to take these moments, those moments of happiness as they come because they're not permanent. But Mm -hmm they're better once reflected on when we're going through those moments where it's certainly not happily ever after. Can we reflect on those moments of fleeting happiness? Mm -hmm. And for us, we're trying to reach that status on social media or those expectations and leaning in again, just how people will see people from this filtered point of view. I mean, you see these photos on Instagram of people looking their absolute best. And even when they're doing something as simple as like, doing their laundry or something you're thinking wow they look amazing why am I going down there in like my old 10 year old shirt or whatever and doing my laundry and it's kind of we have this expectation for ourselves that we just don't understand because everybody in the end with social media is hiding behind a screen Mm -hmm. and while a lot of people have been a lot more open about sharing different things that happen in their lives and I think in a way that helps a lot of people it's still not going to be 100% candid because it can't be. It just, mm-hmm. it can't be when you're sharing through a screen. People don't see every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I really love, you know, what you were saying about how happily ever after doesn't exist because I think part of the reason that hustle culture negatively impacts mental health is because we think that, again, like what we were saying before, we think that we'll be happy 
once we get the certain job or once we get a certain grade in the class. And then once you get that grade, once you get that job and you're still not happy, you're like, wait a second, you know, I thought this was going to solve all my problems and it didn't, it just like a new host of problems arose. And so then how do I, how do I find happiness? It, that just like really goes to show that you really can't find happiness in these external things and you should be proud of yourself for accomplishments, but you shouldn't put this pressure on these accomplishments and these milestones in your life to bring you happiness. And I really like how you brought up the uh, idea of comparison to social media influencers, because that's something that I definitely struggle with whenever I see people, like whenever I hear about how much money people on TikTok and YouTube make, I'm like, (laughs) why did I go to college? Exactly. (laughs) But like, the thing is, it's so Okay, so I know there's that whole thing where like someone social uh, someone on TikTok was like being an influencer is harder than a 9 to 5, which I don't agree. I don't think that's true like objectively yeah. I don't think that's true, but I think that we also need to recognize that being a social media influencer isn't easy because you use you have to use social media as your job. Like if I had to be on TikTok 24/7 to and like my income depended on that I feel like that would just destroy my mental health because I need to like take time to just purge social media. And that's even something with like as small as this podcast is there are so many times that I've wanted to delete Instagram because it's just, it stresses me out how much I compare myself to other people, but I feel like I can't because I'm like, I need the podcast is something that I love doing. And in order to continue doing it, I need to market it and I need to post it on social media and stuff. And so grass is always greener on the other side. And so with hustle culture, again, like what we were talking about earlier, there is the idea of burnout that comes with that because when you're working 24 seven, you know, there's going to come a point where your body like physically can't handle it anymore. So have you ever experienced burnout before? And if so, what was that experience like? Yes, I have definitely experienced burnout before. And I think it came mostly for me from simply doing too much, but doing too little for each individual thing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I felt like, and I felt like the burnout came from the fact that I wanted to do so much. And in theory, it's a great idea on paper. It's a great idea building the resume, but I wanted to love every single thing I was doing. And for us, there's only so much effort you have inside of you, considering that we only have 24 hours in a day. And a lot of that is, when we think about it, spent sleeping. So if we want to be able to be healthy and recharge ourselves. But for me, I wanted to do so much. And it wasn't all just because I wanted it for my resume. I really thought, like, from a young age, I've always been of mind. I'm like, I want to do a lot. I want to change the world. I want to be a better person, that sort of thing. But I found that I felt like I wasn't having any growth in anything because I was doing so much. I spent doing one thing being like, okay, I've got to jump to the next thing really, really fast, whatever it may be. But it got to be a lot of pressure. And it got to be that I just felt so tired in general because and then I started to not love everything I was doing and slowly I felt like oh I really resist the fact that I have to do this and I saw it more as work than something to really enjoy and for me even when I look at what I want out of my college experience I want to really love what I'm doing even if it's classes I mean sure we all have those classes where they're we're doing it for the requirements or whatever to graduate that sort of thing 
but I wanted to still love it. And I didn't want to hate it. I didn't want to come to my work and hate it because all in all, it's not like when I, at least I grew up going to public school a lot of the time, it's not like that where it was just a requirement to go to school, paying a lot of money to get an (laughs) education here. (laughs) And I want to make the most of it. I mean, my parents are supporting me to go to school and I don't want to be just sitting here thinking, okay, I'm just going to do my homework to check the box. Even with that, I'm like, I want to really enjoy what I'm doing and I want to get the most out of my college experience. And I feel like that's when a lot of the burnout started was my first year of college. While I had some external things going on, I felt like because I was trying to do so much to cover up everything I was going through and cover up just how bad I felt inside, it started to make me feel even worse because I just started to feel stressed. Even Mm -hmm. with things I loved, they became they became a burden. And that's when the burnout starts to hit. And that's when I know it's coming is when things that I would usually love start to feel like a burden on me and start to feel like a drain on my time. Mm -hmm. And now today, how I kind of got over that hump was I was like, all right, well, if anything, reanalyzing, if anything really feels like a burden right now, I need to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And I can't keep going because then I'm going to lose my love for other things that I genuinely have love for. Mm -hmm. And am I really doing all this to advance myself personally? Or am I doing some of it just to check a box and just to Mm -hmm. do it maybe for the flashiness of it and being able to say I'm doing it. And for that, I'd be like, I'm going to drop that right away because it's not really what I'm interested in Mm -hmm. and from doing that cutting things off my plate and it also took a few days of just purely letting myself recharge and being like all right you know what we're not having the 50 things to do today we're not doing that I'm just going to take some time and I'm just going to sit back and let myself readjust and from there that would often be days of reflection for me where I could think, wow, I really hate the fact that I have to get up and do this, or I have to get up and do that. And I realized, do I really enjoy doing that? Should I be doing it? And that led me to drop it. But I feel like that's the problem with a lot of college students is, especially in the beginning, we think we're going to do so much or doing even a little bit just of the wrong things, though. Mm -hmm. We want to do the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And from there, especially this year, is when I really came to learn that I need to be doing the right things, and I need to be, it needs to be things where I can really put effort into it. Mm -hmm. And for me taking that time to reanalyze, I come into, like, school this year, and I'm doing some pretty different things from what I did last year, but I love it even more, and if anything, sometimes I feel like my schedule is even busier, but I don't feel burnout because I'm doing the right things, Mm -hmm. and because I enjoy every step of it, but if I start to feel burnt out, then I know I need to take a step back and reanalyze and be like, do I really want to be doing this, but for me, on those days, and I, I'm more cautious of it now because I've dealt with it before, but on those days where I'm insanely busy going all day between classes, between work, between the clubs I'm doing, and I won't get back to my room until like nine at night, I'll be like, okay, am I feeling burnout? And I realize I feel actually really recharged because I loved every single thing I was doing. And I felt like I could really put my energy into it, get something out of it and make great connections too. Then that's kind of when it feels right. And that's what people mistake burnout for being doing stuff all the time. And that's, that's going to inevitably lead to burnout, but it's not exactly the case. You need to be doing the right things. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to be busy per se, but even some people do get burnt out from being too busy in that way. Just for me, how I work, it's not exactly I get burnt out from being too busy or burnt out from maybe not even doing enough. Then it's for me 
finding that balance of, I do like to have a busy schedule at times while having that time to recharge too, but it needs to be doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that a good tip to manage burnout is recognize when there are things that just don't cause you joy anymore and be okay with taking a break from that. And I think with hustle, like going back to hustle culture, we feel like if we do an activity that's just for us, that's just for fun, then it's not worth it because you can't put it on your resume. And that's when burnout really kicks in is when you're only doing things to put on your resume. Most of the time, those things don't cause you joy. Like, I think that in college, something that I wish that I did was volunteer at the SPCA because I just love hanging out with animals. And I know that's something that would have really caused me or really led to joy for me. But I was like, okay, well, if I do that, then I'm wasting my time because that's not something that I can add to my resume. And so I think that's a really important skill to learn is to one, say no to things and two, let yourself rest and really rest and know that if you like quitting something doesn't mean that you're failing, you know, and just taking a break from something that is causing you unnecessary stress isn't a bad thing. And that's something that's good in the long run, because then it'll give you more energy for the other aspects of your life that you want to focus on. And I think something that like, I think that burnout can also not only apply to like jobs and college, but also other aspects of your life, like exercise. And this is something that I talked about in my episode about body image is I took like month off from working out because I just, it like working out wasn't serving me anymore. And it did feel like a chore instead of a way to get movement and keep myself healthy. And so I think now that I don't have like this, you know, academic burnout, I think that I've been really struggling with like exercise fatigue. And so one thing that I've been trying to do is instead of worrying about how many times I work out that week, I'm like trying to focus really on how I feel. And if I feel like I need movement that day. And if I feel tired, if my body is tired, if I'm just tired from the day, like from working, then I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to work out today. And in the long run, that's better because then I have more energy for like another day when I work out. And I actually want to be doing that instead of just like forcing my body to continually work when it needs rest. And that's like a physical example, but that also has to do with like the mental aspect of burnout too. Like when your when your mind needs rests, when you need to just like emotionally recharge, that is something that you really just need to let yourself do or else that if you don't, if you just keep working, that leads to those feelings of like burnout and like depression and anxiety and stuff like that. And so to kind of close us off, um, how do you know when you need a break and what tips do you have for managing burnout? I would say for needing a break, as I said before, for me personally, it's when I feel like I'm not really doing things I love, but also when you start to feel 
And it might be when you start to feel these symptoms of burnout cutting into your mental health as well. And I mean, that can be seen through, we know um, at least a good part of the media, we see a lot advertised about the symptoms of anxiety, the symptoms of depression, and things like seasonal depression, especially nowadays. I find that burnout is a lot more common mm -hmm. during these months when people start to begin to have this seasonal depression at times. Mm -hmm. The burnout cuts in a little bit more because, again, these two can go hand in hand at mm -hmm. times because feeling depressed, a lot of it is feeling drained and feeling a lack of interest in things that you'd usually love. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like burnout can go hand in hand, especially during this time. But I'd say the biggest thing for me or for recognizing the burnout is also just feeling drained constantly. And we talked about this before with hustle culture, but being able to recognize when you feel that you're in this cycle that you're not going to go anywhere. And maybe from there thinking, all right, well, how can I get out of this cycle? And I'm, am I in this cycle because I'm simply just too busy and feeling too tired? And for me with burnout, one specific symptom was I felt like I wanted to sleep constantly. And that seemed like the answer to everything. And mm -hmm. it seems like a way to run away as well, which for me was also a pretty big symptom. Struggling with depression was wanting to sleep everything away and mm -hmm. wanting to sleep it off. So that was a pretty big symptom and one that's especially common with college students, high school students, even post-grad really anybody that one's very common and that can lead you to evaluate okay why do I feel this way and from there using the tips to overcome burnout definitely as I said before taking some time to recharge and seeing it as you know what I'm starting to feel burnt out let me just have a couple hours and let me just reset and this doesn't mean sleeping I don't exactly think that's a great way to reset from burnout because I think that's giving your mind a way to run away at times so for me resetting was doing something that relaxed me and for relaxing myself, I would love to go on long walks, listen to a podcast, or maybe sit and read a book for a little while, or turn on my favorite show, and or maybe like call a friend or call a family member. That was a way for me to kind of mentally take a reset. And that could be for as long as I needed in that moment. Sometimes it could be 15 minutes, sometimes it could be two hours, but that usually gave me some time to reevaluate. And from there, I'd say along the lines of calling a loved one, definitely getting advice from somebody you trust with this sort of thing or a professional because it's always it, there's no shame in reaching out to a professional there's no shame in reaching out into to an expert in fact that's actually something to be proud of because they know what they're talking about mm -hmm. so reaching out to somebody who's experienced in that area and maybe talking it through because one common misconception of things like therapy or talking to a psychiatrist psychologist whatever it may be one misconception is that you need to be severely struggling with depression or severely struggling with some sort of illness to go to them. And that is certainly not true. And I think that should especially be used when you feel like you're in the beginning stages of this sort of thing, because they can catch it before it gets even worse. And they can give you some, a tool set to help you with it before you feel like you're absolutely spiraling. And before it becomes a problem where you actually have to go to them like with you have an obligation at that point to go to them it shouldn't have to get to that point you should feel like you can reach out in the beginning because that'll just make it easier for you in the long run mm -hmm. and so I'd say reaching out to somebody if it's not as 
severe, reaching out to a loved one, maybe just talking things through. And sometimes they can give you some of that perspective on knowing you from a different standpoint and loving you and being like, you know what, I don't think maybe you shouldn't be doing this because I can see you don't fully love it. So maybe just take a break for a little bit. Sometimes it takes somebody else telling you that because you can't always listen to yourself saying it. Sometimes it takes somebody else you love and you value their opinion saying to you, maybe just take a step back for right now Mm -hmm. and being able to do that. And also just integrating everyday things that you enjoy, because that started to be a way for me to diminish my own burnout with saying, all right, I've got all this going on. And I found I had nothing to look forward to in the day. So it took sometimes being like, all right, well, let me integrate something I love into the day. And then sometimes for me, that would be certain forms of exercise. And my mom kind of led me to doing yoga. She's like, I really think you should do yoga. I really think you should just try it. And I was like, all right, I'll take a class at a nearby studio. So I took a class and I found, okay, that's something I want to integrate into my day that I love and then started to do that and was like you know what I'll build upon that why should I not have that every day or have something small like that every single day that I love doing so and that found that was just an example of something that was actually a good habit to even integrate going in but it doesn't even have to be that it can be just being like all right every every night before I go to bed for half an hour I'm going to watch my favorite tv show and sometimes that can be something to look forward to you can be like I just need to get through this and then I'll get to that and sometimes that can be a good way to reflect when you integrate that into your day being like well do I have to get through all this stuff to get there or should I cut some of it out if I don't need it because Mm -hmm. then it got to build for the a way for me I was still integrating those things I love into every day but being like oh well it's exciting because I also get to do this that I like before that and I also get to do this that makes me happy so that gave me a way to reflect on do these things make me happy as the other thing that I integrate into my days that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. so those are just ways where I could help myself to see a little bit because sometimes it takes putting those things into place to open your own eyes and see the real picture that, okay, I'm starting to burn out. Or as I said before, talking to somebody else who says, you look like you're starting to burn out or going to a professional who will give you advice on making sure that burnout doesn't turn into something worse. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I love the idea of, you know, managing burnout by like going back and thinking about what you enjoy. And I think something that's really important to do is to create a wellness toolbox. And, you know, this can be, you can do this in 10 minutes, you know, just get a piece of paper, pen right now, write down five things that cause you joy, like real joy. And they can be small. It can be so much as like going outside. There's a dog park right near my house. So something that causes me joy is to just walk by that dog park and see all the dogs playing and be like, one day that'll be me. I'll have a dog. <laughs> um, and it can be stuff as small as that. I also, something else that's in my wellness toolbox that is reading. And that's something that I feel like I haven't read for fun in so long because all throughout college, all I was doing was reading for class and stuff. And so now that I have time, I'm like, instead of, you know, grinding and, you know, taking these classes on coding and data analysis, why don't I just read? So I got a library card. I feel like an adult. Um, and I've just been, you know, reading when I get home instead of worrying about what else I can be doing or checking my emails or, you know, emailing professors at, grad programs that I'm interested in just to get my name out there. And instead I'm just like, okay, calm down, just relax, just do something fun, you know? And so like, these are like all very small things that you can be doing 
And I think post-grad, it's especially important to create a wellness toolbox and take time to do things that you enjoy because coming out of college, that's like a time of like extreme burnout. And I felt so burnt out when I graduated. And that's why I knew I couldn't go straight into grad school. And so I think it's so important to now, like in this period of time, just take time for yourself, especially like if you're working like a nine to five job. One thing that I've been struggling with is not having something to do after like with school, there's always something more that you can be doing. But now I'm like, I get home and I'm like, all I have to do is make dinner. So (laughs) what, what is this? And so like, if that's you, if you're working a nine to five, I like highly encourage you to just take that time to rest and just remind yourself there's nothing that I need to do right now. You know, just say like, this is like a mindfulness thing, but just like even like telling yourself affirmations, like I'm exactly where I need to be right now. There's nothing more that I need to do. I deserve rest. That's so important. If you just graduated college, take time for yourself. If you're in college, take time for yourself. So you don't get to the end of those four years and you're like, I cannot work another day in my life. Um, so thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And again, I will be linking Taylor's blog, um, in the show notes and on the social media. So I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed coming on talking about this sort of stuff. It's, and it's really important. I feel like spreading, spreading the word about these kinds of topics and making sure they reach a bigger demographic. (laughs) Definitely. And oh, if you're a BU student, then plug for the BU Talks About It. That's what the group's called. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I think that's our handle. BU Talks About It. We're a mental health club at BU. We had Justine come and speak at one point as well. (laughs) But we have lots of cool speakers like that. We do a lot of workshops. It's a fun time and also just a way to unwind, too. I feel like it's a great space for students to take a step back. Definitely. So I can tag the BU Talks about it too. If anyone is listening and you're from BU, I highly recommend joining that club. Um, So if you guys are still listening, thank you so much. And remember to BYOB next week. Bye.